Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. So, uh, funny story. Uh, we had a podcast all recorded and ready for you this morning. Uh, we were all ready to send it, in which we advocated for, uh, first of all, for the Nats signing Craig Stammen. And second of all, we uh, discussed the chances for Josh Donaldson and all that. And then the Nats went out and ruined everything. Literally, but... two minutes after we finished recording, right. we pressed stop, and then... The Nats signed Estrubal Cabrera. So now we have more to talk about. Yes. And uh, Craig Stammen signed with the Padres later on today. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a busy week for the Nats, though. Just it has general. been. Busy couple of days. They, busy New Year. Busy 2020. Right. Uh, but of course, despite the fact that it's 2020, it doesn't change the fact that the Washington Nationals won the 2019 World Series. You're telling me that in 2019, the Washington Nationals were the World Series champions? That's what I'm telling you. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Pretty pretty wild stuff. Yeah, you got to think about it. Take time. Uh, just reflect on it. Live your life. Uh, we might be thinking about that a lot, depending on how this offseason goes next season. Right. Uh, so, back to this season. Back to the 2020 Washington Nationals. Uh, over this week, they have made three moves. Uh, one of them, an unabashedly good move. The other two, sort of wait and see. Uh, first move, they signed Will Harris to a three-year and $24 million contract. Uh, and so, uh, how do you feel about this move? I mean, that's the right, the best move you can make. Um, Will Harris is the best reliever out there, or Matt Harris if you look at Twitter. Right. Uh, Will Harris is the best reliever out there. He had a 1-5 ERA last year. Um, in his time in Houston, he's been great. Um over the past five seasons, he's had a 175 ERA plus. Right. He's just, you know, a very solid reliever, and he, he has great splits um, left and right. Uh, he's the, the best option I think we could have gotten this offseason outside of Will Smith, but this is a be- much better price for us. Well, so, you know, t- talking about Will Smith, uh, Harris, in terms of production, has been every bit as good or actually better than, than any – other reliever on the market yeah. this year. Uh, and he's done it for much longer. And Will Smith has been solidly above average to great throughout his entire career. Uh, and Drew Pomeranz, conversely, you know, he's he's been an all-star, but as a starter, as a reliever, the four-year contract he received was based on stuff and uh, 26 innings with the Milwaukee Brewers last year. Uh, but Harris is not a stuff guy. He's... Uh, a cutter, curveball, cutter in the low 90s, curveball in the high 70s type of guy. Uh, if you were going to compare him to any pitcher that the Nats have had, uh, his stuff looks a lot like Mark Melanson's, which is interesting because he never played with Mark Melanson. Uh, but, Both Astros. Yes, but well after. Yeah. Uh, so, and Melanson learned his cutter from Mariano Rivera with the Yankees. Yankees. So, yeah. Uh, Regardless, Harris, the major concerns, uh, even though it doesn't seem like he's been around a very long time, uh, he is 35 years old. He made his debut at 28 in 2012. Uh, And the Nationals gave him a three-year contract that'll mean that he'll be here until he turns 38. Uh, And in truth, you never know how anyone's going to age. Obviously, the older you get, the more risky uh, a signing is. Uh, it's hard to say how he'll age. Uh, I mean, obviously it helps 
maybe that he's not a stuff guy, yeah. that his, his stuff isn't going to diminish, uh, or that it's already diminished. Uh, but obviously in terms of just production, uh, Will Harris was the best option out there, and the Nets desperately needed relief help. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the main concern, as you were saying, is his age and also his workload. He, he's a heavy workload guy. And especially during the playoffs last year, he had such a heavy workload that he complained about it, actually, during the playoffs. Uh, and the Astros didn't listen. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if the playoffs come back to kind of hurt him next year. Or if, you know, anything from the last couple of years come back to around. Well, I think the most interesting comparison is someone like Brian Shaw, where Shaw had a, such a heavy workload with the Indians, signed a deal with the Rockies, and immediately imploded. Um, I don't know if those are comparable directly. I mean, they had very similar statistics beforehand. But I don't know if, if, if uh, Harris will fall off like Shaw did. I, I don't think it's likely either. Well, I mean, Harris... Through nine and two thirds innings in the playoffs this year, which I mean, in fairness, is a pretty high workload. He made five appearances in the World Series, uh, and he said that he was gassed at the end of it. But I just, I, I mean, his workload during the season, I mean, during during this season, actually, you know, I mean, he has made at least sixty-five appearances in three of the last five seasons, uh, including. Uh, tying a career high 68 this year uh, so that is a, a decently heavy workload but it's not no it's I mean interestingly Will Harris over the last five seasons has thrown 287 innings uh, Daniel Hudson has thrown 303 innings that see that's the interesting thing you know people keep talking about how the Nats were concerned about Hudson's durability in signing Harris and, and choosing Harris over Hudson uh, I don't think that's really the correct way of looking at it. I mean, Harris has obviously not had the arm problems Hudson's had. Uh, Hudson obviously missed a lot of time uh, previously because of his two Tommy John surgeries. But since 2015, both Harris and Hudson have been healthy for about the same amount of time. It's really more of a, a question of production. I mean, Harris... Over that time, has a 175 ERA plus. We said Hudson's is only 108, uh, and Hudson obviously was great with the Nats in the postseason and in uh, the second half of the regular season last year. But the peripherals don't really suggest that he was really that different a pitcher. It's not as though he turned some corner. Uh, he had a very high strand rate all year long. He. Uh, a very high strand rate, yeah, strand rate all year long. He was, you know, striking out under nine per nine, which in this day and age, with his stuff, is very unimpressive. Uh, Hudson's a stuff guy. Harris is more of a command guy. Uh, but I mean, I can I can clearly see why the Nats would rather have paid eight million a year to Harris than. Six million a year to Hudson. I mean, if you think about it, if a Will Smith ball travels two feet further, then this is a whole different conversation right. with Hudson versus Harris. Then Hudson's the goat, not the good goat, the bad goat. Yes. Uh, forgot I had to clarify that now. Yes. But, uh, um, but this was definitely the 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 best sign the Nats could make in terms of showing up their bullpen. Um, 
I think he was the right guy to get. And one nice thing to consider with Harris uh, is that he's got reverse platoon splits. Yeah. He's got he's dynamite against lefties. Uh, and obviously, as everyone keeps mentioning, with the three batter rule being implemented for 2020, that's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's not a guy that you would think of matching up. He's a guy who's going to take an inning, uh, probably the eighth inning at this point. Yeah. Uh, but just you know, to have that to have a guy who is a righty who can get lefties out yeah. is is a very important thing. And now the question goes: Who pitches is uh, who pitches the seventh inning? Right. Um, I mean, the Nats have there. There are not many options left on the free agent market. No. In terms of relievers, those are kind of gone at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, Craig Stammen just signed today. Craig Stammen would have been perfect. He signed a two-year, $9 million deal. Uh, Craig Stammen, incidentally, also 35 years old, uh, turning 36. Yeah. Uh, which is just uh, someone who remembers his Major League debut uh, in 2009 with a 103-loss Nats team. It's just weird to think about. Well, it's 10 years ago. It's I know. 11 years ago. It's just still weird to think about that that guy is now 36 years old. But, uh, yeah, it's not – it was never a good relief market to begin with. No. But now with – I mean, the Nats don't need a guy of the caliber of Smith or obviously Will Harris again or Drew Pomeranz to pitch the seventh inning. But with the internal options being all guys who have shown something at some point in Wander Suero and Tanner Rainey – but guys who are not super reliable, you really want to have one other guy. Isn't Colin McHugh available? Yeah, but he's not a short reliever. No, he's not a short reliever. But he's been pretty good over it since 2015. I know it's very few games because of injury. But, right. But in terms of relief pitchers, ERA, since 2015, Will Harris is fourth. Yeah. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, your main concerns are that he's not a stuff guy. And that his you know strikeout rate isn't fantastic for uh, this day and age. It's nine point five five per nine as an Astro, but you know that those things aside, like he's he's not just a good reliever. He's a great reliever, uh-huh. and eight million a year for a guy like that, uh, or at least in terms of pass production, he's a great reliever. And eight million a year for a guy like that is not. Anything out of the ordinary. No, it was a good signing. Mm-hmm. Um, so now going on to our, the Nats' other signings. Um, the ones that are more questionable. Yeah, so yesterday the Nationals signed Starlin Castro to a two-year $12 million deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then today they signed Estrubo Cabrera to a one-year $2.5 million deal. Um, to me, those seem like not necessarily Josh Donaldson replacements. No, Those seem true. like necessarily filling out the bench sure. um, and also filling out some spots. Um, Castro for $6 million isn't much, well, really. Well, that's not entirely true. It's not that it's not much. It's, it's two that, years. But it's it's the yeah, it's the two years. It's B, it's the fact that he could be blocking Carter Keyboom. C, it's the fact that he's not, you know, he's, he's a league average at best player at this point, maybe a little better than that. It wasn't last year, despite a, a scalding second half. He is a middle infielder or a – he's a – yeah, he's a second baseman right now. I played some third last year. 
Uh, he played for the first time since 2016. He started a game at shortstop, but that's not really an option. He is not going to be a long-term replacement at shortstop. The problem that I see with this move, beyond the fact that you know, if the Nats are planning on staying under the luxury tax, $6 million for a guy like Castro is not a huge... You know, it's, it's not an efficient use of resources. Uh, beyond all that, uh, the Nats now have a ton of duplicative guys on their roster in terms of Kendrick, in terms of Cabrera, uh, which we'll talk about later, in terms of Castro. These are all infield-only guys who can't play shortstop. Uh, and I get that the, the market for corner or for uh, fourth outfielders was not great. There was no Nate McLeod available, uh, and so the Nats decided to get value where they could find it. And I, I'm happy that one of the ways that they've recognized the market inefficiency um, is getting Castro. Well, no, I, I mean uh, old people. Yeah, it's it's old veterans who are league average is sort of what they've recognized the inefficiency in, uh, but. Uh, the thing that concerns me is that, first of all, it concerns me a whole bunch that Donaldson might be a, uh, you know, might not happen and that this might be the, this might be the strategy. It's just signing a bunch of old guys. Yeah. I mean, they've talked about bringing back Zimmerman and Eric Thames, uh, and I just, I don't think that's a viable strategy here. Uh, I just, I can't imagine them getting better just with a bunch of replaceable league average parts. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think these, I mean, to me, really, these are just bench filling moves. And Castro seems like a replacement for Dozier. Um, I don't think he's better than Dozier. I think you probably could have re-signed Dozier for a lesser price if you were going to do, do this. Um, probably not a lesser price. Probably same price. Yeah, somewhere around that. Yeah, um, you know, but I think that the Nats had no problem benching Dozier at any point point this uh, this season, and I don't think they'll if Kivu makes a big splash early in April, they'll have a problem benching Castro and having him just kind of play a bench role. Um, as well, I think I think the Nats will. But he's here for two years is the problem. Yeah. I mean, he could play bench for two years. I just, I don't, I, I don't imagine that's what, you don't give, I mean, Nate McLeod aside, it would just really surprise me. To give a bench player two years? To I mean, they gave Howie Kendrick two years. They did. Yeah. To be a bench you know what, player. That's true. But they've, they've already got the original Howie Kendrick right now. Yeah. Who is signed to be a bench player. For one year. For, I just, I don't, I don't think this precludes a Donaldson signing, but. You've got to ask yourself, if they do sign Donaldson, uh, how do they plan on getting at-bats for all those players? I don't think you need to worry about that. I, I mean, I don't think that's your main priority. That's true. I think they will get at-bats when they come. I think with Trey Turner's injury history of leaning into pitchers and breaking his fingers. But Trey Turner, well, I guess, you can then the boom starts. Yeah. You can call up Keyboom. Uh, I'm not really concerned with finding at-bats for these guys. They'll get their at-bats. You know, Kendrick's the type of guy who can't play every day. Yeah, but Cabrera, Cabrera, I think knows his roles as a bench player. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
if you can get like a guy like Cabrera for one year, two point five million, it's a good deal. Yeah, I know, I agree. And it there's no reason money. there's no reason not to do that deal. Um, so I think all these moves kind of set the Nats up to have a full bench. Um, you know, you think about it, they have three spots on the bench. It, it, I I filled out a roster today where I put Cabrera at third, Castro at second, and Kendrick at first. And they still have three more spots. And then they also have the 26th man, which could either be a reliever or another player. So there's a lot of room still for the Nats to sign Zimmerman, for the Nats to sign Thames. A lot of room what, on the roster? On the roster. Now, whether or not with the luxury tax, I don't know. I don't really care. If the Nats are still willing to sign Donaldson, they might still be willing to go over the luxury and tax. And that's the thing. I mean, we, we heard today that the Nats... Four-year, $100-plus million offer to Donaldson is still on the table. Uh, that was John Heyman who reported that. And if that's true, there's no way they can fill out a roster at this point and still have Zimmerman to bring him back without going over the luxury tax. Yeah. So they, they may be prepared to do that. Yeah. So if, if... And they should be. They should be willing to do that or else they will be bad. And as we um, said, they, they still need another reliever. Yeah. Uh, and they're probably going to need another outfielder. Also, um, oh, I forgot about Kyle Finn again. Yeah, I, I don't really know who that is. He's going to be on the roster next year. He signed a major league deal. That doesn't mean he's going to be on the roster. Probably, we'll probably try him out for a little bit. Yeah, we'll see how he does in spring training. I mean, I, I know a lot of players who've signed major league contracts out of spring training who have never actually – I mean – a guy like that, I remember Matt Antonelli, oddly enough, signed a major league contract with the Orioles in 2012 uh, and then never played for them. So it happens. Yeah. Um, but you know the signing probably does mark the end of the Wilmer Defoe era in D.C.? That is true. There is abs- I mean, again, my biggest problem with this is that none of these guys can play shortstop in anything but an emergency scenario. But again, you still have Carter Kibo. And so if some one of these guys do get hurt, if Turner does get hurt, you call up Kibu. Right. And you still have these guys. It's not that big of a deal that none of these guys can play. Because let's say Trey gets hurt in a game. Mm-hmm. These guys can play short for five innings. Castro can play short for five innings. Yeah. So it's not the end of the world right. that neither of these guys can play short because you have Kibu in the wings. And, you know, as someone on Twitter said today uh, – in finding at bats for a lot of these guys, some of Carter Keyboom's at bats, maybe even most of them, could be Triple uh, A. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, if the Nats do sign Donaldson, Keyboom starts in Triple A. Oh, absolutely, yeah, no question about that. He's not going to come up unless he's got a starting job. Yeah, so I think none of these moves will rule out the Nats from getting Donaldson. I think they're fine for filling out a bench. I mean, that's really, I think, what they really are. I think Castro will probably start the year as our second baseman, mm-hmm. uh, which, whatever, fine. fine. I mean, Castro or Kendrick. Kendrick will still play. Yeah, Kendrick will still play. I mean, someone will play first. Yeah. Um, I like the Cabrera signing. Castro signing is kind of meh, but... Yeah, I think... They could have done worse. Well, yeah. It just it depends on what they do next. Yep. So I would grade all of these moves as incomplete. If this is the plan at third base... To come up with a hodgepodge of league league average veterans, and you know, add Thames, uh, and have Zimmerman come up and and just sort of mix and match, I'm not in favor of that. I think no. it's a terrible idea. 
Vance can play outfield too, right? Yeah, left. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not first-based outfielder. It's not, it's not as though they expect their left fielder to miss any time. I hope not. Please don't leave us one. And if that's if this is if that's the plan, you got no one to bat behind Juan Soto. I nope. Mean, you have or in front of. I mean, you're just gonna have Juan Soto lead the league in walks. Yeah, I mean the only person. Although 2015 Bryce Harper, people still pitched to him. Yeah, that's true. I heard that as the sort of comparison today, and that's not entirely correct. It, it wasn't that the Nets didn't have any big names surrounding Bryce Harper. They all broke. Yeah, it was they all broke, and then when they came back, they all sucked. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the, the problem here is that on paper, I mean, last year, besides Howie Kendrick, who you know had a 147 OPS plus, in, or 144 in uh, his 300 plus plate appearances. The only other player on the Nats' current roster besides Soto to be over 100 OPS or be over 110 was Trey Turner. Uh, so there's just not really any lineup protection. There's a lot of league average bats, but there's no one that you would be afraid to pitch to in that lineup apart from Juan Soto. I personally still like the idea of the Nats miss out on Donaldson to maybe look at a guy like Castellanos who could possibly play first for them. I I think that's a, not a terrible backup option. I mean, Castellanos looked really good in Chicago last year. Um, I think just getting out of Detroit or a ballpark with uh, Cavernous um, right. right center field mm-hmm. where he gets all of his power from mm-hmm. um, would, is good for him. Yeah, I, I think he could – I don't know if the Nats are considering this. I don't think they are really. But he could be had a, cheaper than Donaldson. He's younger. He, he's never played first base, but it's – I mean, it's not too difficult. No. Um, he's played infield before, so. Yeah. Uh, he could play third if he yeah. wasn't so terrible at it. He's so bad at third base. He's so bad in the outfield, too. Yes. So first base couldn't possibly be worse. Yeah. Um, it's an option. I hope the Nets don't come to that option. Would you rather them do that, or would you rather them... Uh, obviously, so I think I ranked options yesterday for the Nets. Uh and my number one worst option was trading uh, for Bryant with Victor Robles. Yeah. Because that creates another hole uh, in, in center field, a hole that's even more difficult to replace than the current hole uh, in thir- at third. Uh, and not to mention that Victor Robles' ceiling or floor right now is very low. Excuse me. His floor is very high. He is, and was this year, even with a below-league average bet, a three-win or four-win player. Uh, he's already an extraordinarily useful player, even if he doesn't develop into an MVP-type player. And given how good his defense is, he doesn't need to hit even all that much to be a down-ballot MVP-type guy. No. I think, I mean, he's oh, he's a uh, he, he's too valuable for the Nats to trade. Absolutely. And it's just too hard to replace him. Uh, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Nope. But my second least uh, favorite thing was this sort of... Uh, hodgepodge. Hodgepodge, Moneyball-esque, replace a superstar by getting a whole bunch of league average veterans around him. But it's not even cheaper. It's not that that's cheaping out, per se. It's no. and that's just running out of options. Right. There were two options. They missed out on Rendon for lots of reasons, uh, and they missed out on... 
or might miss out on Donaldson. Despite to address this, you know, the Nets have made an offer that is absolutely comparable with all the offers that are out there, but they haven't beat the market. And the thing about the offer that they've made uh, is that coming into this offseason, four and one hundred was what was thought to be the offer that would beat the market. You know, this was people thought he would get three years. People thought he wouldn't average twenty five million a year. Four and a hundred on paper should be enough to get this done. But all the offers are right around there, and if the Nats want Donaldson, they're going to have to beat the market to get him. Uh, and they haven't shown that they're able or willing to do that yet. Uh, now, the fact that he's still a free agent and that he hasn't signed with the Braves uh, means that the Nats could still get him if they decided to do that. For all that we know, the Nats had the best offer out there. That's true. We have no idea. I mean, I imagine they're all pretty close to each other. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what all the reporting is. Yeah. But um, I think it should, it seems like the final offers are out there um, from the reporting. So it should be coming to a head soon. We um, thought that in you know four weeks ago. So yeah, I know. Who knows? Well, we didn't think that. I speculated that. We, th- I mean, but it's it seems more like it. We are we're sort of stagnated here because all the offers are on the table, and Donaldson's clearly out holding out for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the speculation from Ken Rosenthal yesterday was that he's holding out for four and one ten. Which, if you're at four one hundred, you yeah. might as well you go might as well it. go there. Yep. Uh, but, uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to ask you is how would you feel if the Nats do miss out on Donaldson about a Bryant for Keeboom Drake, if it I, were possible? I wouldn't mind. I think I mean, Bryant is a guy who won MVP in 2016, um, Rookie of the Year 2015. Mm-hmm. He's a very good player who's been injured the last couple of years. Right. We'd probably have him for two years, you know, depending on his grievance, but right. it's probably going to be two years. Um. I think if the Nats are willing to sign him to an extension uh, and pay him the Rendon money, mm-hmm. I think it's a, a, a good move. Right. He, uh, Bryant has a lot of – also, one nice thing that the Nats probably won't need to use is that Bryant has defensive flexibility as well. Right. Um, he can play third base, first base, left field, right field, and hell, even in a pinch, he can play center. He's played some center, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, I like Bryant's versatility. I like Bryant. You know his his ceiling is very high. Um, you know Keyboom looked good in AAA last year with over 900 OPS, but that's with tri- the juice balling up and you know in the in the PCL, right? Um, which had all weird numbers last year. Yeah, I don't think you can take. And he looked. Stock. And, and I don't. And I don't really think you could take much stock in his week and a half too in the majors. I think sure. he was just a little too early. I see. I. The thing that concerns me more than the offense, because the offense was the is defense. Whatever, is defense. I mean, obviously, you don't want a top prospect coming up and getting thirty-five at bats and striking out in thirty-seven and a half percent of them. Pretty remarkable that he was worth negative one win. Yeah, and thirty-five at bats. But the thing that concerned me more was that he just he didn't look like he had sound fundamental defense at short. It looked like the game was moving too quickly for him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, again, it was only ten days, but that's it's not something that you judge or write off a player about. Uh, I wouldn't put so much stock in his AAA numbers, but he doesn't have anything left to prove at AAA, which is obvious. Yeah. Uh, however, if you get Chris Bryant and you can sign him to an extension, uh, what the hell do you need uh, Keyboom. Keyboom for? 
you can just keep filling that hole second with random guys like Sterling Castro. Right. So it would be great if they signed Donaldson, who's just a you know a slight step below Bryant talent wise, uh, and then not have to give up Kibu. But if they can't do that, I think that uh, Kibu for Bryant, if it's something that would get the deal done, which isn't the guarantee. Remember, I mean Bryant is a franchise guy, and uh, the Cubs don't have to trade him. No, they don't really need, should trade him, really. No. Uh, so I just, you got to imagine that it's going to take a, an overwhelming offer to get him. Mm-hmm. But uh, if the, if Kibum is in fact enough, then yeah, you, you pull the trigger on that. Yep. It's, it's obviously a plan B, uh, but I think it would be preferable than uh, the hodgepodge. Yeah, the hodgepodge. Well, I think that's it for us this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back either next week or the week after, depending on the news. Seems like things are happening, so possibly next week. Right. Uh, until then, uh, we'll see you later. See ya.